All right, all right, all right. Welcome back to Real Talk Sports with Rico. I'll be your host today. And we have uh, a lot of exciting topics today. Uh, first and foremost, I want to go ahead and thank our platform anchor for hosting our show. I want to go ahead and thank all our fans out there for chiming in here on a week-to-week basis here and giving us some insights, uh, which is definitely helping us drive the show. And then also, too, I uh, just want to go ahead and uh, you know thank our sponsors as well. For helping us pay the bills out there so that's very very appreciative so today's exciting show is we have uh, my thoughts here on the lakers and the milwaukee bucks who played last night and then uh, my thoughts on the nba as a whole we had some exciting contests happen here um, exciting things in the NBA, really. You know, my thoughts on the Houston Rockets versus the Clippers here just uh, on Thursday night. Then also, too, Steph Curry and his return on Thursday night, too. It's very special. Um, and then also, uh, mainly, we want to talk about the NFL CBA, the collective bargaining agreement. I feel like that's been really huge here as the uh, NFL actually gets ready to press on here towards the NFL draft. I think there's a lot of exciting things in this collective bargaining agreement here um, that really, you know, to me, I think it could change uh, the way that we see the NFL. And certainly I think it puts a whole nother light into the NFL as well. You know, I think, you know, we look at the NFL and we see it on Sunday and we see these, you know, big giant mammoth spectacular athletes out here making plays but you really don't see you know the whole operation of the league and I think it's it's kind of interesting when you take a look at the numbers and the stuff that the players are fighting for and then also to what the owners are fighting for um, it's very very interesting very interesting and it's something that I can honestly say hey when I inspire to be an NFL player anybody out there that is inspiring to be an NFL player you really get a chance to see that the collective bargaining agreement is it's it's really it's almost like you know it's 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 it, to me it's certainly a brotherhood the way that they vote for things and then also too um, it is very much an agreement between two halves I mean the NFL doesn't take part without one or the other. You need the owners and you need the players. Um, very, very interesting. And then the fans, they're also, you know, they need to be included in there because you obviously need that revenue dollar. So very interesting to see how this thing works. So I want to go ahead and first start off with the NFL and the CBA. And uh, to me, you know, the first thing that kind of really, you know, stands out to me is the fact that we're looking at a 10-year agreement. So when this thing gets signed um, and when it finally does get finalized, we're looking at something here that this is going to be the agreement between the two sides for the next you know, decade or so. So that's very interesting to start off. You know, personally, I've never heard of a CBA or collective bargaining agreement that takes part for the you know next 10 years. I'd have to do my research, whether it's baseball, hockey, soccer or something like that. But, you know, I thought off top, I thought that that was very interesting to me. Um, and the biggest topic here in this collective bargaining agreement is the fact that they're going to move to a 17 game season. Um, this is something that the players are very, very adamant about not doing. Um, you know, the whole the whole argument here is that players feel like that they're putting their bodies on the line for an extra week. And I think it's pretty interesting here. I mean, this is something that the league is looking to expand to here by the 2021-2023 season here. Um, and I, I think it's very interesting when you listen to guys like Aaron Rodgers and some of the other players here. Uh, you know, there's there's been the proposal that they would like to possibly have the 
the the two more bye weeks. So you know, instead of it just being one bye week, they're thinking about you know putting another bye week in there, and it's it's very interesting because you know the players are really adamant about putting their bodies on the line for that extra game. And then also, too, when you think about it, you know, if you are putting in a 17 game, you know, who gets that extra home advantage as well? You know, who's going to get that extra home game? So very interesting. And I can definitely see the merit on this. Uh, When you look at the NFL, yes, it is a spectacular game. But, folks, it is a very violent game. And this is why, you know, you see a lot of players post-retirement, man, that they still feel some things from playing in the NFL. I mean, it is a very, very physical game. And so I totally understand what the players in this situation, um, you know, and I think from the league standpoint, what you're looking at is you're looking at owners who are wanting to take advantage of the fact that, you know, hey, the NFL is a high market product. And when you have an extra game, then that means that you have extra TV revenue, you have extra fan dollars, um, et cetera. So, I mean, it's a, it, it's an opportunity, obviously, to make money, but then you have to go like anything else, you know, hey, there's a lot of things that you can make money um, in, in this world, but is it worth it, you know, from a health standpoint? So very, very interesting, folks. So if you're listening to this podcast from an entrepreneur standpoint, I just dropped a nugget for you. Not all money is good money. <laughs> All right. And so then the next thing that I want to kind of look at, too, is that I think the players, to me, they actually get a good win here because with the CBA, it looks like and I like this fact, too, that the players are set to get about 48 percent of the league revenue here in 2021. Um, and, you know, that's not even counting here. That's going to depend a lot on the TV dollars. That's going to depend a lot on the, you know, the advertisements, uh, ticket sales and things like that. And I I like the fact of what the players get to when it comes down to the uh, Los Angeles Stadium as well here. It it appears that in this new deal, it would give the players about 70% of the um, incremental revenue from the league's Los Angeles Stadium project, you know, meaning about 70% of any revenue that exceeds the projections in a given year. Um, And also this means that they would get a share of revenues from legal gambling operations conducted in stadiums, whether that gambling is on the NFL or other sports. So I thought that that was really, really interesting to me. Um, You know, I think the players really, you know, would be satisfied in the fact that, you know, they wanted to at least hold the same share um, of the league revenue, you know, with the off the top numbers here. And it looks like that they're in a good situation here moving forward for the next 10 years, especially with what kind of revenue is going to be generated here with that LA stadium and you know I really like the fact too that they're going to have the the hands really in the whole the gambling aspect of it too as well because when you look at the the stadium and you look at how it's going to be built I mean folks it pretty much is going to revolutionize or yeah revolutionize the way that the NFL stadiums are looked at here for the next 10 years um, you know, I, I know that it's going to be very interesting, too, with the Clippers here. They're actually trying to secure the old um, Los Angeles form over here. And I've even heard some speculations that they're possibly looking at putting at like a 24 hour basketball court out there as well. So it's really interesting to see and what will happen, you know, with the fact that, hey, if this becomes like almost like a spectacle, like kind of like a Vegas situation and players are able to get their hands in that kind of revenue, I think that that's a huge, huge win for the 
for for the players uh, i really do so i like that part of the collective bargaining agreement here and another thing that i like too as well is that roughly you know about 60 percent of the nfl players in the minimum salary deals are actually going to go up too as well here and this is based off a, a beautiful article here done by uh, espn here um you know, I'll go ahead and note the offer once we get to the bottom here. But, you know, just kind of taking some notes off this thing. And, you know, I think that that's very, very, very good here for the situation. When you look at it, that 20 percent increase here in the minimum salaries, I think that that's a huge win for the players as well. Um, I kind of alluded to the fact that, you know, you put your you put your body on the line so many times um, for the NFL, and it's such a violent game. It is a spectacular game, but the fact that you're looking at the league minimum increasing, I think that that's pretty good. And also, too, you know, I like the fact that they're also going to increase more jobs. Um, you know, so it looks like the roster increases are set for. You know, instead of 46, they're going to go up to 48. And I like the practice squads now. They go up from 10 to 12. So, you know, giving players uh, another opportunity to um, make it in the NFL, I think, is is always a great chance. You know, I, I love the fact that whenever you're able to give, um, you know, additional players additional opportunities to show off their skill sets, I think that that's, that's always special. So, you know, I think that that's, that's a good situation here. Um you know, we talked about the expansion and another thing, too, that I think is huge um, for me. And I like this, too. I wish it was more, um, you know, for the first rounders and things like that. But, you know, just a highlight note here. It says second round draft picks are now eligible for proven performance escalators that used to apply only to players drafted in rounds three through seven. Um, so that kicker that increases uh, their fourth year salary if they play a certain percentage of their team snaps in the first three years. So I like that aspect of it. And this is, you know, second round draft picks are now eligible for that. So, you know, that definitely is a situation where you look at guys like, say, um, Dak Prescott. OK, so like a guy like Dak Prescott, if he is. Uh, essentially one of those guys who falls into your second rounder or, um, you know, a later round pick, but he plays the vast majority of your snaps, you know, he's eligible for uh, an escalator with his with his salary, which I think is, is, is definitely, definitely worth it. Because when you look at the NFL and you look at some of these guys, like you look at Russell West or, or Russell Westbrook, Russell Wilson and guys like that who have come in at later draft stages but have have played, you know, a lot better than some of your first round picks. I think that absolutely they should be rewarded. And especially when you look at the NFL, when the expected career is only about three to four years. Yes, I absolutely think that any time that uh, folks exceed their value, they should be rewarded on it. So I think that that's a, a huge escalator right there. I like that aspect of it. Um, you know, I do. I think it's a tough situation on the other end where I'm looking through it with the proposed stuff that, you know, it's going to be tougher to be a free agent. So that's kind of one of those things where I think the players wish they would have won on, um, you know, especially with the whole franchise and the, the, the franchise tag. And personally, I hate the franchise tag, man. Like, I understand the franchise tag. I get it. Um, you want to keep guys from hitting the open market, but it sucks, man, because I, I hate the fact that, you know, if a player is excelling, why can't you just get the deal done? Why do you have to make a drag on? And I think it's the situation where when you do drag it on, it makes the player unhappy. 
it makes it a super awkward situation in that building, you know, with guys wanting to 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 get paid and you don't want to pay them, but you don't want to let them go. It's like, come on, you know, so I, I hate that fact. And I hope that if eventually they do fix the franchise tag. Um, I do like the new drug policy that is proposed here with the positive marijuana test. Um, not getting a player suspended. I think with the advances in, in in the medical field and the advances with what you know marijuana does positively, I think that you know especially with the amount of, of of you know force that you put on the body, I think that this is something that if it is used medically, used properly, it helps players um, cope with things that way. You know, I like that. I like that. I like the fact that that is something that they're not going to be punished for. Um, interesting, too, with the new proposed deal with the um, commissioner. Now he's not just the the judge and the juror and the executor. <laughs> That's interesting. Um, so, I, I mean, I think that we'll see how that plays out. Um, I feel like players probably feel... Uh, a little bit more justice because now they feel like those same people who eventually, you know, hear the appeal and make the judgment, you know, they're going to get uh, more. They're going to get more answers. They're going to get more people to actually take a look at the personal conduct and policy violations. So, you know, perhaps you might see some players, maybe they escape some of these, 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 I don't want to say unjust um, suspensions and things like that but I would say that maybe it's a little bit more of a fair shake in that sense you know it's just not the commissioner taking a look at it so that's interesting that's very interesting I, I like that very much um, the whole deal with the training camp under the new deal that was kind of interesting um, I think it's a situation like where they were saying like okay if it is a veteran and then you fail to report um, then you cannot waive the fines and you're basically going to get tacked. But if you are, say, somebody in your rookie contract and you're holding out, then there's an exception to the rule. So I think that that's pretty interesting. I don't know how the vets feel about that one, you know, especially because there are veteran players that, you know, like I said before, and we've talked about it, if your career is not lasting that long, you're going to want to get the max amount of money and you want to get it as soon as possible. So for me, I I don't know about that one. I mean, I think that that's going to be one of those situations where, you know, you're going to kind of be on the fence, I think, if the players are looking at that. So it's going to be interesting to me. Um, you know, again, I, I think this was a terrific article here by Dan uh garziano here the espn staff writer so kudos to him and uh you know shout out to espn here for letting us take a look at that as we go over it here for our show but uh you know i, I just think that that's interesting when you look at the collective bargaining agreement and it shows you that it's more than just it's more than just a video game it's more than just something that's played on sunday you know it's some real things that take take part you know to make this league work. And I think it's really interesting when you look at the numbers and some of the numbers we didn't even go over, but I think it's interesting when you look at it collectively, what it takes to run a league like the NFL. And I think about it and I think about what the XFL is going to have to overcome. You know, I think that when you look at these issues, I think if they're going to last, they're going to have to really, really truly be together from an owner standpoint and a player standpoint. Uh, moving forward and uh, oh yeah one last thing too before we actually move on to the next topic I like the fact that they are actually expanding 
wild card teams, though. So you would get uh, six postseason games with seven teams. So I do like that aspect as too as well. So I think that's interesting. Now, um, you know, in the way that that would shake out, you would get an extra an extra team in the playoffs. Um, I think again. Anytime you start looking at tournaments and things like that and you're putting an extra team in, giving them an extra opportunity, I think it just makes it just that much more better for um, any team to get that opportunity. So that's my thoughts here on the NFL and the collective bargaining agreement. Now let's move on to the NBA here and my thoughts on what I've seen here versus last night and the last couple nights, really. So first, let me start off here with uh, Stephen Curry and his return. He had the 23 points, the six uh, assists or six rebounds, six assists and seven rebounds, or maybe I reversed that. But um, anyway, I think that it was really, really good for him to be out there. I think it was good for the NBA, too, as well. Um, And I think it's good for the Golden State Warriors, even though they lost the game. Interesting enough to the Toronto Raptors, who basically secured an NBA playoff berth. Yeah, it's like the Toronto Raptors again, like can Golden State beat them. I think they will eventually, but uh, just not their time right now. But it was good to see Steph out there. And I think at one point I could even see Steph on the bench saying he wanted to play. And I I agree with that. I think Steph is really wanting to get some chemistry, um, really get his legs back and really, you know, get accustomed to what it is to play in an NBA game for the next 20 games or so. Because the bottom line is, Golden State is going to be really, really good next year. And I don't give a damn what anybody says. Trust me on this. They will be back. I do agree with Draymond Green in the sense that when they did lose last year, people were saying, oh, they're, they're done and all this stuff like that. And he's like, that's not smart. He's absolutely right. You know, I think that what they have done there as far as putting this team in a winning situation moving forward with the draft picks, you have Wiggins, you 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 have they have a lot of young pieces where basically Golden State's in a situation where they're doing a game tryout every every game. And I like what they're doing and they know what they're doing and they're going to play it as if they're trying hard and everything, which they are. But they know that at the end of the day they're going to be the ones drinking some more champagne here moving forward. And I clearly expect this team to have a wonderful run. And speaking of the Golden State Warriors and Draymond Green and the Charles Barkley beef, I think that that was funny. I think it's funny because he's like, you know, she would take Charles Barkley's job and the situation is like, why does Charles Barkley feel that he wants to like continue to take stabs at my boy Draymond Green? I mean, like a two years ago, he said he wanted to punch him in the face. He did. And then it's kind of like now he's saying, well, he's joking with the fact that he's leading the league in single single doubles or whatever the case may be. But I like Draymond's uh, attitude in the sense that, hey, you know, he doesn't have the rings to talk about him. And also, too, you know, it's kind of like one of those situations where Charles Barkley was an electric player in his day. And Charles Barkley has a point in the sense that he gets paid to be analytical. He gets paid to do these things. And TNT is a wonderful show. I love TNT. Been watching it for years and years and years and years. And their dynamic and the way that show is 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 really derived, it's made of that. Like they are analytical, but they also joke as well. And, you know, I, I get it. I get it. And I think that Draymond, in a lot of ways, too, is kind of feeling the frustration of the Golden State Warriors season. But again, I think that Draymond has to continue to just continue to focus on him um, and continue to know that Golden State, it will be back. It will be back. And Draymond Green, 
he doesn't have to argue with anybody because Draymond Green and the way he plays, it's changed the way that we look at how power forwards play in this modern day. So Draymond doesn't have anything to prove and neither does Golden State. And very good that Steph Curry has returned back to the NBA. So very electric there. So my last two topics here are the Houston Rockets and the Los Angeles Clippers. And I talked about this just a couple of days ago. And I said that Houston was going to have to win this game in order to show everybody that they were for real. And I know it's just the NBA season and I know it's dwindling down and everything like that. But Houston got beat up in the exact form that I would expect them to. They had no answer for Kawhi inside. They had no answer for Montrez Harrell inside. And they had no answer for Zubox inside. Defensively, I knew that Houston is going to struggle. I knew that coming in. But also, too, one of the things that is always tough with Houston is this. That small ball has been playing wonderful. It's been electric, okay? And Coach D'Antoni in that system, it's been awesome. But when guys are not making jump shots and then you don't defend at a high level, this is what you see. And it was a convincing loss. You know, I think it was like 120 to 105. And when I look at the statistics here and when you look at some of the stats and you look at what the things that were talked about, a lot of people say that the game wasn't even as close as it as it came down to at the end. You know, so here's my thing with Houston and it's Houston is a great team. They are. But the problem is when Houston isn't making shots, then they get discouraged on the defensive end. And it's like they struggle just that much more on the defensive end. And you can't do that. You just can't do that, especially if you're an inspiring club. And so my thing is the Clippers, I, to me, I think it's their championship to win. But when you look at the fact that they're going to have to go through either the Clippers or the Lakers to win this thing, when I look at the Lakers, the Lakers have more size than the Clippers do. So I'm thinking, okay, just logically here, if you're struggling to defend the Los Angeles Clippers, what is it going to look like if you have to guard Anthony Davis, who's probably a top five player in this league, LeBron James, he's 6'7", 6'8". You have JaVale McGee, okay, he's another tall guy. You have Marcus Morris, he's about 6'7", 6'8", on the outside. They have Claudius Pope, you know, he's a, a taller guard as well. So I look at the height differential and I say to myself, okay, you've traded away Clint Capella. I get it. You want to go with the small ball. Are you banking on the fact that you're going to be able to outrun and outgun a lot of these teams? And I don't know if they're going to be able to. I mean, yes, they're going to be able to contest with a lot of teams and certainly they're going to be in the conversation. But the bottom line is when the game gets tight, you need stops and you need to go into half court sets where you can get guaranteed scores and the defense is not able to bog down on you. I don't know if Houston, I, I think that they're really they're going to be in trouble and it might be a situation where Houston is going to be again on the outside looking in, unfortunately. You know, I, I hope that they change it. I like Mike D'Antoni from Mullins, West Virginia. I love the guy. Great coach. He's coached up some terrific rosters and stuff like that. But it's going to be tough, man, to come out of the West when you look at this thing. Um, you know, I just and I look at the fact, too, that, you know, James Harden really struggled this night. I mean, granted, he's not going to score 16 points. You know, and granted, you know, Russell Westbrook, you know, he carried him with the 29. But looking at the box score, you know, the plus minus, they were negative 13 and negative 19 collectively here. 
And you look at James Harden, 0 of 8 from downtown, 0 of two or 0 for 2 for for Westbrook, 0 of 3 for Covington, who they depend on. Uh, you know, you look at uh, Daniel House, 1 of 5, 3 of 6 from uh, J- Jeff Green. He played pretty well. Uh, but everybody else, you know, Eric Gordon, one of six. So you need guys like that to kind of step up and hit at a high clip in order for them to win. So, you know, with Houston, I, I mean, if you're a fan, you you want to hold on to hope. But I don't know. I really don't know. I, I think it's going to be tough for you. So the last thing that we take a look at here is the Los Angeles Lakers versus the Milwaukee Bucks last night. Everybody certainly was looking at that because the Milwaukee Bucks are number one in the East. They have a great record and it's the potential, potential, potential for an NBA Finals matchup. And so when I look at that game, um, you know, and I look at the score and everything and just looking at the box and everything like that, the box score. The key aspect of this was, you know, not that the Lakers had a deeper team, but the Lakers from an experience standpoint, they went on that 18-0 run in the third quarter and it literally wiped the Milwaukee Bucks out. Like just, they had no answer for that, okay? Now, here's the thing too. If you're looking at that from a Milwaukee Bucks standpoint, you have to say to yourself, okay, Chris Middleton and Eric Bledsoe, they had tough games, okay? And I know after the game, Jalen Rose, Paul Pierce, kudos to them commenting on this. You know, they were saying that, hey, Eric Bledsoe looked disinterested and, you know, Chris Middleton struggled. To me, I looked at the matchups on the floor and I think to myself, okay, I love Wesley Matthews. I love what he brings. Yes, when he's on, he's a three-point shooter. He plays with a lot of confidence. But I'm thinking to myself, why is he guarding LeBron James? Why is he guarding LeBron James? Literally, LeBron gave him the same turnaround jump shot. And 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 not to discredit Wes, Wesley Matthews because he's an NBA player. He's in the NBA for a reason. And I know he can defend. But when you look at his hand and, and you look at the shot differential, and when I say that, the way that LeBron is able to release the shot, it, it was almost like when Wesley Matthews was jumping at him, he was probably maybe reaching at the bottom of his wrist. And LeBron is clearly elevating over top of him all the time. I think to make that a little bit more difficulty, what Milwaukee's going to have to do is they need to move Chris Middleton over there. You have to move a guy like Chris Middleton over there because you're going to get more size. Now, I know it it probably is going to be a struggle for you because offensively you go, okay, he's guarding LeBron and it's going to take clearly a little bit out of his, his offense. But then that's where you have to say as Milwaukee, you have the better team. I think that Milwaukee has the better team. They had the deeper team. But when you're giving guys, you know, like LeBron had a stat line where he almost had the triple double with the 37, eight and eight. Okay. Then you look at Anthony Davis. He had a game. Okay. I get it. Aside from that, you know, yeah, they got killed with the wild card. Uh, Cal Kuzman, he played, he played his form. He played like he should be playing throughout the season. But aside from that, I think that Milwaukee has the deeper team. I just think that they got shaken when they got down on the 18-0 run. So when I look at this, I go to myself, okay, the Bucs have beaten the Lakers before at home. Great. Now you look at the later form of the season, the Lakers beat the Bucs and they beat them. Yeah, it was kind of convincingly. It was kind of convincingly. And it was a way that LeBron and those guys kind of, they, they, they took the will of Giannis and those guys. And I like the fact that defensively, LeBron did a terrific job of crowding Giannis. 
there were a couple times where Giannis got flustered. If you remember, he got the ball knocked away on the baseline. That was a great play from LeBron. There was a terrific play also where Bron pushes him, which I like as a defender, where you use the baseline as an actual defender as well. And he pushed, he pushed, uh, he pushed Giannis into some uncomfortable um, parts on the floor. And that's what you want to do as a defender. You want to push scores into their uncomfortable spots. They did a terrific job of that. They did a terrific job of walling off the rim as well and making it a situation where Giannis, yes, he scored 32, but it was a tough, tough 32. So my takeaway from this is that, look, it, the bottom line is the Lakers and the Clippers are going to play for the Western Conference Finals. That's just what it is. Between one of those two teams, they're going to make the NBA Finals. That's just what it is. Milwaukee, to me, I, yes, I know that they have the better record right now, but I still have my odds on the Miami Heat. I, and I, call me crazy. I know they're fourth. I know that they, they're like they're this team that just they just really got assembled a little bit more. They're younger and everything like that. But I'm like, if there is a team to knock them off this year, and talking about the Bucks. It's going to be the Miami Heat. I think it's the Miami Heat. Now, if the Bucks are able to sustain that and they look at this contest, this is what they're going to face with the Lakers. And, you know, it's even going to be a little bit more tougher with the Clippers because you have the Dynasty Destroyer in Kawhi Leonard. So, you know, terrific NBA action thus far. And that's really it for the show. So I want to go ahead and thank Anchor, our platform, for hosting our show. I want to go ahead and thank all our sponsors out there for helping us pay the bills. And I want to thank you, the fans out there, for listening to our show here on a week-to-week basis and chiming in and driving our show. So for until uh, next time, this is Rico with Real Talk Sports. We'll be back. <laughs>